Welcome everyone to our first Patreon exclusive podcast. Uh, this is Charlie Butters. I'm here with Jayhawk and Marcy. And today our guest is the author of Quest for the Dragon Star and Oral History of WMAC Masters, Chris Landis. How's it going, man? It's going. Thank you guys so much for having me. I uh, love doing interviews like this. to get to talk about some of my favorite things, which are crazy kids, martial arts shows and pro wrestling. So it's great. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for doing this uh, kind of in the middle of Forbidden Door. So uh, I know it's, right. it's it's tough to pull you away from uh, one of the biggest shows of the year. So You know, actually, last year I didn't even watch Forbidden Door live. And this year I'm just, uh, my brother and I, we split Bleacher Report. So I was like, for some reason, because I don't keep up with New Japan a lot, it, Forbidden Door is like the least of my pressing concerns. Billy Starks was on the pre-show. So, you know, we got that out of the way early. So, you know, right on. it's all good. Uh, so before we get into talking about the book, uh, I met you at Toy Hio and, uh, we kind of hit it off there and, yeah. um, then you kind of just exploded all over, uh, our friend group and it's, it's, you're, you're one of the ones that we see constantly, uh, within like this handful of probably, I don't know, 30 or 40 accounts that, uh, just talks wrestling in our area. So, well, you know, really I'm just desperate for attention. <laughs> it's uh it's 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 by design i i am what they call uh uh just a writer um which means just constantly looking for that feedback and praise and affirmation so you know whatever i got to do to do that i can go to cleveland i don't know i'm from columbus <laughs> so i'm not far from i've actually never been to an aiw show which is probably going to get me kicked out of the friend group but you know it's uh it was a lot easier before the kids and then now just didn't go well. You remember my kids were not having the best day at Toy <laughs> no, no. We literally, we came, we drove from Columbus to Gerard or wherever technically we were. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we came, we saw Dan Housen, we saw Ethan Page and we left. We <laughs> did not shop. We did not explore. The The kids were not having our, our adventure out. So, uh, you know, it's a, uh, one day I'll get to get to meet John Thorne and all those good guys. <laughs> yeah, ironically, uh, that day you had a flat tire, and I did. Uh, t- today Jay Gold had a flat tire, so he is now late to the show. So it's it's pretty ironic. Uh, I think that's like a running a circle theme. of life, really. Yes, yes. Uh, so before we get into also to talking about the book, because I want to talk about this book, and I know Marcy has lots of questions, and and because she was watching it all weekend long. Um, was this your first oh, you're one? you're the one who I love already and I haven't met yet. Hello. Yeah, it's nice to that's me. <laughs> Is this your first book that you've written or have you written others before this? I wrote a murder mystery novel that came out in 2021 and it had the unfortunate fate of being published by a scam artist. Uh... Um, basically, I signed a contract, had my, my lawyer look over the contract. Everything was totally great, totally on the level. This guy had multiple authors, brand new publisher startup during COVID, you know, trying to jumpstart indie books, you know, whatever, whatever. It all looked legit. The contract I signed was legit. Homeboy just never honored it. Um, All of his clients, all of his writers, all of his staff, this dude had staff, this dude had an office. Nobody got paid a a single red penny. Um, My book was one of the best sellers on the label. I never saw a dime from it, never saw a penny from it. And I had to pay um, more than it would have cost to self-publish it to get the rights back to it, Um, just to make sure I was all in the clear on that. So I did write a murder mystery novel. One day I'll put it back out when I can bear to look at it again. Um, And that's really (laughs) what kind of led to writing the WMAC book. I stay-at-home writer dad. I had this m- novel that I was really proud of come out. It was doing really great. It was getting a little bit of buzz. And then all of a sudden, 
that happens and I'm like, I can't go through writing another novel right now because then you got to go do try to find an agent. You're submitting to places, you're getting rejections. It was just crushing the first time around. And then I thought I had it and then it somehow got worse. So I was like, what can I do different? And at first I didn't think the WMAC book was going to be a book. I thought it might be like a medium article or a blog article, a way to, you know, just get my name out there a little because no one had ever written about the show and I was watching it on YouTube because it was all free on YouTube. So as I believe, and, uh, and I'm like, it ends on this cliffhanger. How has no one ever asked the cast what was supposed to happen? And so many of them still ran martial arts schools. Uh, and I had just enough internet presence with this book and my soccer journalism I had done before, uh, in the previous life. So I had just enough, you know, internet presence to look legitimate, even though I was just a fan shooting in my shot in the dark. Um, I started emailing them and every single one of them uh, with, you know, eventually there would be like four or five people I didn't get to talk to for various reasons. But at, at the start, everybody was just, I'd love to talk to you about that. Let me give you this person's phone number. Let me give you that person's phone number. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And after like two or three months of just sporadic interviews, I went, oh, shit, I've got enough for a book. So I guess I'm writing an actual book now. And and so it kind of went from there. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that... uh how was that uh getting that published like after you like got all those interviews compiled everything got the now how did did you self-publish yeah we uh, self-published this my wife uh victoria is a way out of my league and b way out of my league when it comes to creativity she is uh, a graphic designer art director for a major children's publication so she actually did all the layouts she did all the graphics she arranged all the pictures we were very blessed to have one of the on-set photographers uh, send us like over a hundred high quality printable images that he had the rights to. Um, nice. So my wife laid everything out, made it look not self-published and made it look like a major publication. And then we self-published it all ourselves. We did a, a print run and then it's also on Amazon. Um, and, you know, we could do another print run for physical copies if we wanted to. Right on, right on. And uh, the the big thing I wanted to talk about, I don't know, I don't think you made it officially public, so you can stop me. Uh, your next book, because I'm very excited for what you told me it could be. So I, I don't mind saying it because I've tweeted about it a lot. Obviously, everything, card is subject to change, right? Right. Um, but as of right now, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback and a lot of initial yeses to the idea of doing an oral history of Lucha Underground or some sort of book on Lucha Underground. Okay. Um, there's so many players involved that doing it like I did the WMAC book where it's just kind of episode by episode isn't feasible. That book would be like a thousand pages long. So mm. it's probably going to be a little more condensed, a little more concise, maybe a little more like uh, the Nitro book that... Um, that that was put out a few years ago. It was like the defining story of the WCW Turner years. You know, mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of my bar I'm setting for myself. And obviously that's a lofty goal because that's a great book. But um, I've had quite a few people express interest in taking part. It's really going to come down to how many people still have NDAs, how many people are allowed to talk to me and whether whether or not I can talk to people currently employed by major companies, because a lot of major companies, um, WWE, AEW, um, I don't know why I'm being coy about that. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. They have language in their contracts that restricts or says what they can and can't take part of. So if I'm able to, I mean, just 
WWE, I'm kind of not hopeful of. I've been through the ringer with them. But if I'm able to work something out with AEW to where their talent, if they want to talk to me or willing to talk to me, you know, are allowed to, then then I think I'm going to be in business because so much of the the cast of Lucha Underground works there now. So, right. you know, yeah. if, if that doesn't happen, I don't really know because you can't really tell the story of Lucha Underground without some of the names that AEW currently employ. So it, it, that, that'll be the big question, but I'm hopeful that, that it's going to be a yes. It's going to be a long-term thing. This isn't something that's going to be out this year, next year, you know, um, the WMAC book because of where I was at in my life and because where everybody was at because of, you know, the intensity still right in the heart of COVID, I was able to knock out a lot quicker. This with so many people involved, this with major Hollywood producers involved, you know, um, this will take a lot longer just because of everyone's schedules, because of how many people you have to talk to and how many hoops you kind of have to jump through. And then there's the legal side, whether or not people even can talk to me. Right. Uh, um, I know I've seen you uh, asking and reaching out on uh, Twitter a few times about, <laughs> does anybody have a contact info for so-and-so yeah. uh, trying, trying to get a hold of certain people? Um, I, I was going to actually recommend that you talk to the guy who runs MLW uh, court hour. Because I know he was trying to like relaunch Lucha as like yeah. Aztec Underground. Yeah, um, and he, he even had uh, the uh, actor that was the uh, the the head guy. Yeah, yeah, Luis Fernando so, Gil yes. played Dario. Yeah, um, Court. I have not talked to Court Bauer yet. Um, he's someone that is is on the list of people to potentially talk to. But I also know. Uh, I don't know how much I can say, but I know there were some issues supposedly around his attempted restarting so i i i am very cognizant of the pro wrestling world being a place where who you know and who you talk to could potentially be a detriment to talking to someone else so i'm very lucky to be working with a couple people very closely who know that side of things much much better than i do and i'm kind of letting them be my my sherpas up this mountain so to speak so um where we're, we're kind of taking it a little bit at a time. I've been reaching out to the ones who are truly independent, no contractual, you know, issues so far. And we've had a little bit of success. I've got to talk to a couple crew members. Um, so, so we're kind of chipping away at the, at the marble to see what statues underneath. Right on. Um, Marcy, I want to throw it over to you. Uh, Cause I know you watch WMAC masters all weekend and you have lots to talk about. And uh, let's, uh, let's talk about that for a little bit. I mean, look, I watched this show as a, I watched, I actually watched this show growing up as a child. Oh, I fought, yeah. I fought memories of it uh, in New York. This aired on Fox immediately after WWF superstars. So it was like, exactly. and even like rewatching this, as I was talking to my girlfriend about it, we pointed out, this is, this is literally if they just like took like Mortal Kombat or a fighting game and they wanted to throw in like pro wrestling vignettes into it. Yeah, like I describe it to people one of two ways, depending on what I know of their interests. I either call it 1990s WWF meets the Power Rangers, because there are a lot of connections there, which I go into probably too much detail in the book, or PG-13 Mortal Kombat circa 1995. So, you know, it's it's uh, a lot of connections to Mortal Kombat, too. There's there's a reason those those kind of hit home. But yeah, it was very much of its time. Um, you know, there's a cheese factor to it that maybe wasn't intentional at the time, but is aged, in my opinion, spectacularly. But, you know, the the thing that I think a lot of people, when they first see it, maybe don't don't quite grasp or don't don't know is that the cast, pretty much to a man or woman, 
all of them, with the exception of a couple who were stunt performers, were world champion martial artists. These these men and women were the baddest of badasses, uh, world champion kickboxers, world champion karate fighters, uh, Olympic gold medalists in Taekwondo. Like these people were legit badasses. And on top of that, the people who were choreographing the fights uh, for them, which took place at Universal Studios, were Pat Johnson, who is the American, you know, karate film god who did Karate Kid and, and you know, all those movies. Um, what's uh, the one on Shoot Fighter? You know, all those movies. And then Isaac Florentine, who did a lot of the kind of more um, military Jean-Claude Van Damme type movies. So, so they were performed by world-class athletes and choreographed by two of the best in the business. So, you know, people kind of see the, you know, the, I call it the dare factor, you know, do what's right. Don't fight, you know, the kind of cheesy nineties public service announcement factor. And they really kind of underestimate the quality of the actual martial arts that's being performed. Quality of the acting, I will not vouch for. <laughs> <laughs> It's you know it's it was interesting like it's, it was interesting going back to it. I pre- I do want to watch more just to let, I might rewatch like the whole series because it's not that realistically that long. No, it's two it's two thirteen episode seasons basically. Um, I did write the book kind of with that in mind, kind of using it as a like a you could watch an episode and kind of flip through the chapter as you're reading. I kind of tried to break it down to where you can watch it and then kind of get it like the director's commentary almost because the series is never going to get a DVD release probably. So I, I tried to kind of make that experience kind of viable. And I'm just so grateful if anyone knows who runs WMAC Masters Archive on YouTube and put all these episodes up, uh, please send them my way so I can properly thank them because without them, this would not have been possible. <laughs> is there any specific reason there probably wouldn't be a DVD? Yes. Um, so the ownership of who owns the rights to what is a complicated question that I was not able to get to the bottom of and the people who should know didn't know. Um, basically, this was the first major production of Four Kids Entertainment, which would later go on to be Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, the, everything, you know. Um, when Four Kids went went under or dissolved or what, what the whatever the case may be, their different assets were sold different places. One person who was in a position, though, said they thought Hasbro owned it. But the problem was the other major co-financer, the, the people who paid for the first season of the show and owned a lot of the rights, were Bandai, the toy company. So how can Hasbro own it if Bandai owns it? And then you had people performing under their real names. Everybody but one person performed under their real name. So you have the residuals question. So um, even if they did figure out who owned it, figuring out who to pay, you know, how much to pay, they were non-union, you know, would be would be difficult. So it's just kind of a kerfluffle that unless something magical happens and there's there's a relaunch or a reboot, I don't see the the original series coming out on any official capacity. Do you think there would be any like reboot or anything of that nature? Um, I'm so glad this is an audio only interview because I'm making a face right now. <laughs> I cannot really comment on that if you know what I mean. Oh, gotcha. All right. Stranger things have happened and I would love to see it happen. It's a, the time is right, I think. I mean, what, yeah, you look at the world everything needs. That's, that's happening right now. You know, Cobra Kai was a huge hit. Power Rangers <laughs> just just did this major 30th anniversary special, and there were so many connections between the original Mighty Morphin run and WMAC Masters. You know, the, the 90s, early 2000s nostalgia wave is huge with everyone from people our age to kids. You know, like there are teenagers wearing Friends t-shirts, which just seems strange to me, but I digress. Um, you know, so it, it, 
it's a matter of finding a platform or production company or channel that would pay to make it happen at the level the people who would need to be involved wanted to have it. Nobody that I spoke, everyone I spoke to pretty much from the, from the original show was like, I would love to make it happen again, whatever my role would be. But the, 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 but there was, I wouldn't want it to be bad. I wouldn't want it to be a throwaway. I wouldn't want it to be, you know, corny or a cash in. So finding a partner who would make it in the spirit of the original show, just updated for modern times would be, would be, a major thing that if somebody was trying to do it hypothetically wink wink um might be something that was holding them back hypothetically right and then literally last two just to kind of wrap it up what is your favorite wmac masters episode my favorite episode man um i think it's got to be season one episode five which which i don't remember the official title but i call it red dragon has a space girlfriend um (laughs) because it has some of the best cheesiest acting. It's got everything. It's got the most nineties moments, you know, it's got uh, a random hip hop dance song um, that they're supposedly singing, but they're not. It's got, um, it's, it's crazy. It's, um, it's the episode. I think I would show people to kind of be like, if you can't handle it at this, you're probably not going to enjoy it. This is as goofy as it gets, but if this is too much for you, um, you know, we we can't do it now. I was wondering if you y'all are going to ask me about the connections to pro wrestling because I got store. I got a story that I don't know if many people know. If you're interested in it, if you have the time, very much so. Okay, so Absolutely. so WMAC Masters was almost the World Martial Arts Federation produced by Titan Entertainment and one Vincent McMahon. Um, Interesting. So Bruce Pritchard on his podcast once with Conrad talked about. We almost got into the, I'm not going to do the accent because that's just insulting to everybody involved, but we almost got into this thing doing martial arts and it was before the UFC. And I was like, and I wonder if he means WMAC Masters, that'd be crazy. And so I'm interviewing, I got to interview the creators of the show, the producers, like everybody and from day one level. And they were like, no, I don't remember ever going to the WWF. No, I don't remember ever going to the WWF. And one of them said, yeah, I pitched it to Vince. And and Vince wasn't really that interested. And I was like, okay. And I was talking to David Bixenspan, wrestling journalist, researcher. I don't know what he prefers his title to be, but Bix. You know, people know Bix. People mm-hmm. have opinions on Bix. He was always great to me. So I got nothing bad to say about the man. Um, and he hooked me up with some uh, articles from a database I didn't have access to. It turns out they were actually in heavy pre-production with uh, essentially the WWF Titan sports to make it happen under the WWF banner and as the world martial arts federation. And they pulled out pretty close to last minute, right before sending it to NAPTI, which is the big convention in um, Miami where they try to get people to show your show. You know um, I was not able to officially confirm whether or not it was directly related, but looking at the timelines, I don't see how it couldn't be. It was right after the World Bodybuilding Federation went belly up, which is when all this would have been happening. And so I think when um, the World Bodybuilding Federation went belly up, Vince pulled out. But it was almost, you know, that WWF superstars, WMAC Masters could have been a WWF double power hour. You know, I know power hours, WCW. Don't don't crucify me, people. I was a WCW. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it, it was almost a WWF production. And um even going on, once they started making the show without the WWF, there were talks between um, Howard Brody, who worked with Hiro Matsuda, who would go on to the NWA Florida, 
you know, he co-wrote Dusty or Ghost wrote Dusty Rhodes biography. He was working. He, they were trying to make it a, a spinoff pro wrestling program um, that eventually it didn't end up happening with Bandai because Bandai pulled funding. But Howard Brody kept working on it. And that became Ring Warriors, which ran until uh, a couple years before the pandemic so you know wmac masters is pretty intricately linked with with sports entertainment and uh pro wrestling of the time that's insane um, yeah when, when i found out about that like when when i got the confirmation i was like oh okay so there is something because you know bruce pritchard kind of says things that maybe sometimes weren't exactly how they happen so when i got that confirmation i was like oh shit i gotta i gotta dig deeper that's the most polite way of getting Bruce Pritchard full of shit I've ever heard, by the way. <laughs> Again, I'm not in the business of uh, of burning bridges. If you know, I'm a lifelong wrestling fan, writer, nerd, not an athletic bone in my body. If I can somehow back end my way into the pro wrestling industry through these books, I ain't gonna say nothing bad about nobody. Yeah. I, I I'm kidding. I've talked to Bruce before. I love Bruce. They definitely think that he. Uh, you know, Melker full of shit. I'm like, no, Melker spot on. But I knew people that were going through that at that time. Oh. Uh, do you have like a particularly favorite master or so, um, let's to put this into pro wrestling too on top of that. Who out of all the masters do you think is the most pro wrestling character? Okay. All right. So favorite as a kid, I can answer that. Honestly, my favorites were the machine and Olympus um, getting her Perez 1992 Olympic gold medals in Taekwondo. He was one of my childhood heroes. He's he was why I did a couple year or a year of Taekwondo um, you know, before my mom went crazy and pulled me out. Um, and so getting to work with him on the book, he wrote the foreword for the book. It was just such a huge honor. And, you know, um, so after getting to know all of them, yeah, I can't pick a favorite. I, I will shout out that uh, Willie the Bam Johnson and Jamie Great Wolf Webster, both and Kid Carmichael Simon, all three of them went above and beyond really to try to help me and uh, take me under their wing a little and show me some of the ropes of the sport karate world, which is a whole different ball game that I had no knowledge of. So all three of those gentlemen really uh, were more than just a typical interviewee. Um, as far as who is the most pro wrestling of the WMAC masters, I say this with all love, but it is Chris Red Dragon Casamassa. Uh, the dude's got this goofy charm and charisma. He's good looking and he knows it. He he carries himself, you know, like a star. And he was in the Mortal Kombat movies, a scorpion, you know, so he did have a little bit of little bit of cachet there. But um, he he's a smooth talker. He's very polished in his presentation. Um, he, Chris, yeah, he personality wise. Um, one one WMAC master who was almost a pro wrestler right after WMAC masters went off the air, the WWF offered Hakeem, the machine Alston, a contract. So this would have been 1996 into 97. So we're talking right before the attitude era nation of domination was blowing up. Steve Blackman was getting ready to appear. And so uh, Hakeem Alston, if you haven't seen the show, um, the original Mortal Kombat movie, the guy was, who fights Liu Kang and gets his soul snatched by Shang Tsung. I was just about to say he was also he was also in Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah. Um, that guy could have been in the WWF, but he turned it down for another. He told me he couldn't remember which part it was, but it was either a TV or movie part. Um, and so unfortunately, he couldn't make it work. But uh, I, I have a I have a friend who works at World Wrestling Entertainment now. And when I told them that little factoid, their eyes got like big as sauce. He's like, I'm going to try to see if I can do an article on this for the website. I'm going to I'm going to make this happen. And then, of course, he wasn't they weren't allowed to. Um, so but yeah, so uh, Chris Casamassa for the personality and uh, Hakeem Austin for the near miss almost happened would have been awesome factor. <laughs> 
So we were kind of talking on uh, Twitter yesterday about uh, some 90s films, and yes. you said that Mortal Kombat was your favorite, and I kind of figure I, I know why. Of the video but... games film, not my favorite 90s film, but my favorite okay. of the video games. Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, I obviously had to go with uh, Street Fighter uh, because of Jean-Claude Van Damme and uh, Raul Julia. And uh, for some reason, that was just my favorite thing. Like, I, I saw uh, both of them. Uh, I saw one in theaters, and I saw Mortal Kombat at the drive-in. Nice. And uh, Mortal Kombat was awesome. I remember seeing it with my buddy. Uh, and we did karate for, like, the whole night after we watched that movie. Uh, it was it was pretty great. Um, here's why I think Street Fighter is the superior film. It's because it doesn't have a sequel called Annihilation. Fair, fair. However, Mortal Kombat has uh, got oh uh, oh uh, uh, no I'm not no I'm not counting the 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 Chun Li one that one doesn't or yeah that doesn't count. How's that? Oh, that's not fair. That's, yeah, that's that would be so bad. That, is not, a, that is not a so direct I sequel. Admit, I haven't seen Street Fighters uh, the movie since I was a kid, so it could be great. And I just don't know. And I didn't mean any slight towards the Street Fighter community. <laughs> I just I got to go with the one that has all the people I know in it. Like, right, I, right, right. And that's why I kind of figured it would, when it came up, like that's why. And like I figured we'd talk about it on here. Yeah. So I'm curious. I'm assuming that none of them then had a part in Street Fighter. Um, Not to the best of my recollection. Um, I can pull up IMDb real quick, but um not not that anybody mentioned to me a lot of the cast um went on to have really prolific careers as uh stunt men and women um bridger baby doll riley uh was in watchmen but or not buffy sorry that was chameleon sophia crawford um but graham all sorts of things sophia crawford very famously was the stunt double for sarah michelle geller on buffy for almost the show's entire run um so so you know a lot of the cast, Hosun Pak, who played Superstar, uh, still an action coordinator to this day. Um, so a lot of them did go on to have a lot of uh, success as as stunt people. So I gotta I gotta see if the cast here who all who all was in. And I'm trying to vamp and fill dead air here. I'm yep, really good Street at Fight- Street Fighter uh, is usually like I still watch it like once a year. Uh, oh, wow. it, it's it's cheesy fun. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's, it, the, the plot makes almost ne- next to zero sense, but, uh, I we, love it. I mean, we, more... we might, we might have something to talk about in an upcoming episode of another podcast about this. Yes. Uh, well, we're, we're going to be talking about it, uh, soon when it, I'm, I'm sure by the time the, the whole group of the people that are in our Patreon, they will know that, uh, it will, I'm going to be on X over. We're going to be talking about the street fighter movie because it's street fighter month on X over. Okay uh and uh as a kid that was my favorite mortal Kombat was you know up there we watched it and stuff like that but uh usually when we would play outside it was we were street fighter characters and yeah. uh, i was always guile uh my cousin and i would argue over uh being that character so so yeah. i just scrolled the entire imdb of the street fighter film of the cast and there's no wmac master involvement except for a near miss so listed as uncredited Sagat gang member is Benny the Jet Urquidez, who was a very famous kickboxer in the in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, Benny the Jet uh, was listed as he was going to be a cast member on WMAC Masters in the sales tape that was circulated before the show got picked up when the show was still called Marshall Masters. Um, several people were listed on that sales tape who didn't end up making the show. 
um, for various reasons. I did not get to speak to Mr. Yurkides for the book, unlike some of the others who were mentioned. Um, he wanted money for an interview, and I didn't have the budget. And okay, you're not that big of a name in my world, buddy. So you know, <laughs> sorry. Um, but um, several people who are listed in that video um, who didn't end up making the show told me that. It, when I contacted them, they're like, this is the first I've ever heard of that show. I was never contacted to be on that show. So um, that that tape was definitely uh, the, uh, made kind of in a previous time where, oh, yeah, we're going to get that person, put him in. Um, and but yeah, so Benny, you're, I'm probably butchering his last name and I apologize. Um, oh, no, you got it. Uh, uh, was he was in Street Fighter and he was going to be in WMAC Masters. That's, that's the only connection I got. tight. Yeah, another pro wrestling tie-in. Somebody lying on a vi- on a promo video about who's going to be on the show. Well, you know the the thing is that that the show went through a lot of different iterations before um, it it kind of became WMAC Masters. You know, I talked a little about the Titan Sports, um, and before they they linked up with Bandai, who ended up financing the show, um, they made some 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 footage, and they actually shot a whole pilot that they ended up having to reshoot. Um, Tymok, uh, star of The Last Dragon, was going to be one of the major characters. He was going to be one of the central people of this show. He's going to be one of the faces of the show. And he was like the, one of the stars of the pilot. Um, he got fired because it just didn't work out. We'll put it nicely. I, I was told I've been too harsh on Tymok because he was a dick to my sister-in-law when she asked for uh, to make contact for me because he was ghosting me. But uh, I digress. Tymok was um, was going to be the star of the, the show, so to speak. Well, you know, it was always going to be an ensemble. He was going to be one of the key people. And so they had to end up reshooting the pilot. About 50, 60 percent of it made it into the eventual first episode. I got to see the original pilot. And friends, let me tell you what we got was so much better. The the original version of the W of Marshall Masters Quest for the Dragon Star is what it was called at the time, um, which is totally where I stole the name. Um it, it time off wasn't good. The pace of the fights was bad. The, they had um, William Zabka as a co-host with Shannon Lee. And it was very much a more ESPN wide world sports style presentation. They didn't have any of the backstage segments. It was all very much talking into the camera. Here's my story. Like, and you know, these guys and girls weren't actors. They were real people, martial artists. So um, the original version of that pilot was uh, rough. And so, uh, you know, it, it went through a lot of refining before the, it became the masterpiece we all eventually get to watch on YouTube to this day. Did you uh, were, did you try to collect any of the figures that they that they had from it? So um, my wife, bless her heart, allowed me to chase down the entire set of action figures. I have them all on card. I have the belt on card. I stopped myself before going for the uh the play sets. Cause I just don't have room for that. Um, with, <laughs> yeah. With I, I was just looking all that at these play sets and I'm yeah. like, wow, that's insane. And yeah. I was like, well, they got all the figures. I wonder if he has the figures at least. I have all of the figures on card. Um, Did you get them? Were you able to get them signed? I have one of them signed. Okay. Um, I, I, when, when we did the event, I didn't have room in the suitcase with all the books and stuff. Um, but I did buy one directly from uh tsunami. He and Gwen, um and, and he signed it for me he also sold me um the jacket that they had made for everybody on the, if this was a video podcast i would go get it but it's basically one of those like remember those planet hollywood jackets mm-hmm. um it was one of those but it, 
It had his name, WMAC Masters, and then a big ass logo on the back. So it was it was actually his uh his jacket from the show. I, I got to buy it from uh Speedball Mike Bailey, uh good friend of mine now. I made through the book, uh big WMAC Masters fan. I got a picture of him in the jacket after a GCW <laughs> show because I, I brought it to surprise. I was like, yeah. oh, seriously, I can wear this. I'm like, Yes, Mike, you can wear this. <laughs> yeah, you wore it uh to the uh Toy Hyo show and oh, I did. Uh, That's you, right. you showed yeah, it off to Ethan and stuff. So yeah. yeah. Wearing my own merch and everything. Yeah, it was. Well, Friends, you, you showed it off to, to Ethan, and Ethan was all about it, and he was checking it out. So it was, yeah, it was good stuff. Guy ever. Danhausen was very nice too. I shouldn't say that, but he's also very evil. So you know, yeah, yes, oh. yes. Anything else, Jayhawk? Oh, jumping up, we haven't done a lot of wrestling talk here. I'm going to outline a couple of pro wrestling questions. We talked a lot yeah. about the tie-in between wrestling and WMAQ Master. You're yeah. clearly a wrestling fan. What got yes. you into what got you into wrestling specifically? Um, just when I was a kid, my dad was a fan. Uh, some of my earliest memories are watching uh, WCW, um, like Clash of the Champions. I remember Two Cold Scorpios debut. That's one of my first memories. I remember the uh, the WrestleMania where Sid and Hogan fought. So I just, my dad was a fan and I became a fan. Um, a very formative thing for me. I think for me, when I was six years old, I got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And so that was a scary time, obviously, for, for everybody, for my family, for me. Uh, around that same time, a local video store was going out of business. My dad went in and bought every single wrestling VHS tape they still had available in their, their closing out store. So I had like all of the WrestleManias up until that point. I had all the Turner Home Entertainment, WCW one. So I was able to watch, watch all the stuff from before I was born. And I... I just fell in love with it as a teenager. You know, uh, I discovered Ring of Honor and uh, TNA, right? When TNA came out, the first TNA I saw was where Red fought, Red wrestled low-key early on. And everybody online was like, no, you need to see their Ring of Honor match. And so I, I bought that VHS. I think it was a VHS, yeah. And, and At that point, yeah. I, what? At that point, yeah, it would have been VHS. Yeah. And and I, I bought that VHS and I was like, oh, this is this is the wrestling that 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 is for me. And so I started going to Ring of Honor shows in Dayton. Um, CM Punk became a favorite wrestler. And I just I took some time away from wrestling. And after the Benoit and Eddie things, I had other things. I It was just too depressing. I struggled mm-hmm. with depression and anxiety anyway. Wrestling got depressing. I wasn't enjoying it. I, I was like, I'm going to I'm going to do other things for a while. Um, but I got b- brought back into wrestling by one of the most divisive uh, wrestling angles of all time, Chikara Shutdown. I found the <laughs> audacity of trying to tell a story like that just so appealing to my writer storyteller brain that I was like, oh, I've got to check this out. And so um, I loved ARGs. So I was like the target demo. If I had lived in Philadelphia, I would have been the target demo. But um, that kind of got my attention back in wrestling wwe wasn't doing it for me but i kind of started wading into indie wrestling and then lucha underground came along and then nxt got real good because they signed pwg and then all of a sudden AEW came along and and so i'm like okay yeah i'm 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 back in i've got a wrestling i can watch every week now you know um and so it's just kind of always been been a thing that that i i enjoyed and i kind of enjoy it differently now as a writer like i look back and see how some of the things I watched growing up kind of influenced how I approach building stories, building characters, you know, building up a heel or a villain or whatever, you know. So it's 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 definitely kind of uh, influenced the creative process. It's kind of a small world. Like I, I bet you I probably jumped about every single one of the Ring of Honor Dayton shows that you were at and we had no idea who we each other were at the time. Oh, no. Well, I was a kid. I was like, I think I was 15 
you know, 15 or 16. So I didn't know who anybody was yeah. at the time. I remember yeah, yeah, I'm almost, a little older. I'm a little older than that when I was going to the show. I remember almost pissing my pants, marking out uh, because Loki and Homicide were just hanging out out in front of the venue for one of them. And I, they were just talking to me. I'm like, Fuck, what? Like 15 year old little scared white boy. I'm just like, oh my God. Hi. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> you know, I, I'm much cooler around the wrestlers now, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> you saw me. I were did you, okay. I didn't piss myself. <laughs> were you at the uh were you at the Joe Punk show in Dayton? With that, the draw? Yeah. That was the second one I got to go to. The first one I went to was Battle Lines uh that January. Where where it was yeah. prophecy and yeah, but Joe Punk is still to this day. I know their other matches were better. I know there have been better matches, but Joe Punk one is still my all time favorite uh, Ring of Honor match, just because I was there and I got to see it, and and it was just so absurd that 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 was happening. It just yeah, it was so cool. Yeah, that that was, that, that don't get that the best match I ever called live. I was front yeah. row for that one, uh-huh. and I remember distinctly like I I, I was the. I went the nerdy fan that I'm still I don't know the nerdy fan that'll that got the top watch and like, I want to know how long the match can go and I hate the fact they don't bother telling you that shit. But I remember getting there, what, I remember getting there with the top watch on and my brother looked at me and went, How long the match go on? I looked down at my watch and went, There's 14 minutes left. You go, oh, okay, wait, wait, left? <laughs> yeah, because it just it flew by. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, were you next to Sorry, the Martin. kid that CM Punk faked out? That's an all timer. I, I I was in the blue feature, <laughs> so I was nowhere near there. Um Man, I would have shit myself if I was that I'm kid. I'm sorry like, that both Samoa Joe and CM Punk yeah, faked out. Yeah, that was great. But I think you were trying to chime in at one point there, too. I'll let you. Well, I was going to ask. Uh, so before you decided to go on and try to do Lucha Underground, did and did it ever come up to do, like, possibly do uh, Gladiators? Uh, American no. Gladiators. No, I do know one of the original American Gladiators. I, I met him through the uh, the WMAC book because he was in one of the very first concepts concept shots. They shot it. Um, it was Malibu. Malibu. Oh God. Oh God. I'm already losing losing the information I I had. But yeah. So um, Gladiators. I enjoyed. I remember watching it as a kid. But I I never felt the draw of oh I should do that as a book. Like I didn't feel the connection there you know so if somebody's going to do a book on a show especially an old show it deserves to be done by someone who's really passionate about it and so you know uh it just it that one was never really on my radar to answer your question now but i'm glad that there are a couple documentaries coming out because that sounds cool as fuck <laughs> yeah yeah i think i just saw something on netflix about one coming out so there's a netflix one that's coming out and i think espn just did a 30 for 30 on it so i i have not got to see it yet but i i've heard good things yeah oh let let's just say for whatever reason the Lucha underground book doesn't get off the ground do you have something else in mind that you'd like to do or even do after that if it does come off um I, I do want to get back to writing fiction at some point. Um, I still I still write it for fun in my spare time, but I, I haven't allowed myself to invest that level of time uh, because I have two small kids. Uh, you know, doing nonfiction where you have to do interviews and research and stuff like that is a really great way to fill those those spaces where you can't really sit and write for six hours a day anyway. You know, so I can do a couple hours here or there of interviews and and still be working towards a goal. Um, as far as other nonfiction. Um, you know, there, there's, there is one thing that I don't think I can actually talk about um, because it's probably pretty sure going to happen. Either uh, 
to fill the void before the Lucha Underground book or after, but it's another um, very niche thing. It's not Chikara. I looked into doing Chikara uh, quite heavily for a while, but uh, I was convinced not to do that by my much smarter than me wife, um, who, uh, you know, as much as I love the storytelling, there were just too many potential pitfalls and liabilities and the risk of uh, the risk of glorifying things that didn't need to be glorified. And, and uh, I, 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 I was a little too zoned in on, Oh no, but we can, we can focus on. And, and she, she pulled me back into reality a little bit. So, um, but there is one other wrestling related rest, uh, uh, book that is, I feel pretty confident saying is going to happen. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just a matter of, of when society kind of lets, lets that happen. You know, I'm glad I landed for at least one of you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I do have, uh, I do have some contact within the cauliflower alley club. If you oh, want to do something more old school, let me know. I can maybe get you in touch with some people who can link you on the right path. I would love that. Actually, oh my God, you are actually like unlocking an idea I kind of forgotten about. So there's this, I'm a soccer nerd, like hardcore soccer nerd. There's this wonderful book called The Ball is Round, A Global History of Soccer. Um, and it breaks down the history of soccer for everywhere around the world. And it kind of does it by time period. So it's like the origins of the game and how it got started started in England and Scotland and then it moved. And I always thought doing a pro wrestling history book to where it doesn't focus on one time period or doesn't focus on one promotion, but is kind of the all encompassing, like if you had to tell extraterrestrials about pro wrestling, here's the book, you know? So you wouldn't go super in depth on any one time period or any one promotion, but you tell the information that would need to be told to get the whole story of pro wrestling. So I'm probably going to end up hitting you, hitting you up for those contacts because now that you mentioned that, I'm like, oh shit, that would be another really good one to try try to do kind of concurrently because I I did a more than a little bit of research on, on that before I before I started doing the uh, Lucha Underground book. Man, I forgot all about that. I have a I have a what? folder on my computer that's got about seventy five. I call it the idea library. It's got like seventy five different pitches or or research docs or or things because you know when you got a three year old and an almost two year old, really you've just got nothing but time to not write things. So you you put the ideas down and hope to come back to them one day. Yeah, let me let me know. I know I, I, there's nothing else I can get you in, in touch with the people who can get you in touch with the right people. Oh, wonderful! I greatly appreciate that. <laughs> Okay, and one more here. We do this. We do this one all the time on our regular shows. I'm going to do it here too. Have right. you ever heard of the pro wrestling sleaze list? The pro wrestling sleaze list. Yes. Is that the DVDR Death Valley Driver yes. video review? Yes. Yes. I I vividly remember 13 year old me discovering that and going, "Wait, that's a thing people do." Started by Tony Khan. Yeah. I just found this out. Like I, I thought I was being ribbed. Like I thought, <laughs> I thought I was being ribbed, and then so I was like, "No, dude, go back and look at the poster name." And I was like, "Coach, T- no." Yep, that's him. I, right, I so I'm gonna... my hair up a little more. I at my first GCW <laughs> experience, everybody called me Tony Khan, and uh, Tony Schiavone. When I met him, called me Tony Khan because when my hair gets a little poofier, it's got the TK looking with the jacket yep. on. Really, I just don't have that manic energy. I can see uh, I right. at my last GCW show, Nick Wayne and uh, Jordan Oliver both called me Tony and wanted to take a picture with me. <laughs> like you're my boss now. I'm like shit. I wish I was your boss. I'd be making a lot more money. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna read one of the off to you, and I want you to tell me if you think it's true or not. Oh, all right. That'll be fun. I'll right. let him pick it. Right. Pick a number. Oh, absolutely. I'm going. I can what I'm going to okay. do. Okay. Uh, there were four. There were 460 of them on the final list. I want you to pick a number between one and 460. 337. 
337. The title of 337 is Kid Vicious for Kick a Squirrel. Vicious had a squirrel he took with him everywhere. Two wrestlers, I'm pretty sure one of them was Arn Anderson, bet him he couldn't keep the squirrel down his pants for a whole minute. I remember this. Vicious accepted the challenge and stuck it down his pants. After about 30 seconds, the squirrel bit a very sensitive area if you get my drift. Vicious fell down in pain and crushed the squirrel. He needed a rabies shot and stitching called a genitalia. Winner of the squirrel, who is now a hero to all squirrels worldwide for flattening kid. I don't think that's true because I think somebody would have said that on a podcast in the years since then. And I think people would would know it more. I think if if that story was true, it would have been retold in a shoot interview or a podcast. I'm going to if I ever meet Arn Anderson, I'm asking him. (laughs) (laughs) I I know I I, kind of know the guy who's doing the Arn Anderson biography with him. I might be able to get to the bottom of that one. All right. That's all I got. I don't know if anybody else can get anything. Marcy, you got anything else? No, I think I, I got my, I got to geek out, so I'm happy. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for, for taking uh, time out of your Sunday evening uh, yeah. to do this. We really appreciate it. Thanks and, for having uh, me, everybody. <laughs> go ahead and uh, uh, plug away. Where can they yeah. find your book and, and everything like that? And where can they find you online? No, you can find me online primarily at WMAC Masters Book on Twitter. Um, that's where I do most of my tweeting. Now I try to keep the soccer stuff to my main personal account and all the other good stuff on the WMAC book account. Um, you can find the book, uh, you can go to WMACmastersbook.com for the links to all the different places. Most people buy it through Amazon. It's available in paperback or ebook there. I have a couple of copies left here. If you want an autographed copy, send me a DM. I can, uh, I can arrange that. I can ship not a big deal. Um, and, uh, just thank you guys so much for having me. This has been really, really fun. Thank you.